welcome to the Stanley Street Social. My name is Alex Clements and always the podcast is presented by Map Apparel. If you do need any kit, especially as we head into the cooler winter months, uh, make sure you check out their range at map.cc. I noticed too they've got a banner here for the team Thermal Bib Tights. Maybe one of my favorite pieces of apparel that they offer. The fleecy long winter nicks make diving out into the cool temperature just a little bit easier. Uh, so you can check their full product range at map.cc. Today on the podcast, we've got episode three of our Future of Cycling series. We've partnered with Lumen Sports to present this series. Episode one, we talked with Tom Kingsley, gave us a perspective of the business side of sport, some interesting takes on how an outsider evaluates the value in cycling and also how the business model operates in returning value to their sponsors. Episode two, we talked to one Antonio Fletcher. He talks about a little bit around how the media and the cycling world's developed since his time in the sport and then how he looks back at it now from a Eurosport perspective. Also, some interesting views on what the sport actually means for the back end, if it will actually happen, uh, as he is on the ground in Barcelona. And third of all, and finally, we talked to Doug Ryder, the team principal at NTT, we talked to him at the same deal around how he provides value to their sponsor. They've got a long, a long partnership with NTT, formerly Dimension Data now. And he's got some great insight into how teams are starting to collaborate a bit more through these tough times and some, some possible benefits to come out of COVID-19. As I mentioned before, we partnered with Lumen Sports to present this, uh, which has a bit of a tie into this week's podcast. Doug Ryder is pretty familiar with their platform. NTT or Dimension Data, when they started off, were using their platform Lumen Sports to pull together and centralize their athlete performance data. And now they've taken that to the broader business or the broader business of the team. So NTT now are using Lumen Wellbeing, Lumen's new wellness product, to monitor the performance of their staff and to ensure that they're that not just their athletes are performing, but make sure that they're looking after their staff as well. If you do want to learn about how NTT is empowering their athletes or staff through the two Lumen platforms, Lumen Wellbeing and Lumen Sports, head to www.lumenwellbeing.com or www.lumensports.com to hear a little bit more about their product range. As I mentioned before, please go check out the previous two episodes if you haven't already. And I'm keen to hear feedback on this one. Please reach out on our social channels. Send us an email. Uh, however you wish to communicate, that would be great to get a bit of insight into what you think about this episode and the overall series. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Doug Ryder. It's a pleasure to have you on. Can you just start start to explain what, what's going on in your world at the moment we're about to hit the start of july racing is expected to kick back up at uh in the latter half of the year how, how are you seeing things unfold in europe and then with the the supposed racing season ahead well thanks alex nice to be on and yeah look cycling is is uh you know has been in a bit of turmoil as have most industries and most sports and it's yeah, it has been really, really tough. So I'm sitting in the Netherlands at the moment where our team is based. And we're waiting to try and get the season kicked off. Season 2.0 of 2020 kicked off again. And you know, as we all move into training camps, all teams, etc. But it has been really tough since um, 
since Paris Nice, since when we finished racing in the middle of August, the middle of March, um, and then trying to keep everybody motivated and uh, and keep our partners together and understand their situation. So it has been an incredibly tough period um, between you know for the last couple of months, and uh, you know we're hoping that races will be able to go ahead and they'll be safe and for you know the, part, the participants as well as you know people coming to watch and. Uh, potentially our partners that want to enjoy that want to enjoy the racing and be a part of the team so the protocols are that everybody's been working on are you know are i guess there as they are at the moment and um, who will know if they were the right things to do or, or not but it's going to be it's going to be an interesting time ahead and i think we'll do and uh we will you know the cycling season absolutely needs the racing as you can well imagine you know we it is what we give back to our partners in terms of exposure and and engagements and experiences um, for clients and and I guess ultimately our fans. So it's it's absolutely critical that uh, that the cycling season kicks off and that we that we are visible in it and when uh, when it starts in the next month. Are you, do you draw confidence from the efforts that the races and the UCI, the governing body, is putting in place? Well, you know, cycling is actually you know it's amazing that this. You know, it takes sometimes a crazy thing to bring people together, um, which is which is which is good in a way, but also sad in a way. You know? And I think now the teams, the race organizers, and the UCI are speaking, you know, in a in a different tone at the moment. You know, they it's all about how they can do better and be better together. So I think that's amazing. And so, you know, this crazy event and sad event ultimately has has brought all of these people together. And to talk about the common good of cycling and to move it forward, and that's a great thing. So you know, that's uh, for me is a is a is a you know I think is a positive, and I think the sport will be the better for it going forward because you've created those, you've taken away all the boundaries, and now you've created this this kind of this, this unity to to want sport to succeed, and and hopefully it'll improve as as time goes on, and it'll be better for for everybody because as you know, the commercial model of cycling is on. Has been spoken about for years and years and years, and I think this is an opportunity for for maybe that even to you know, to assist in that way that it, that it could potentially change and support each element of the process. Mm. Can you run me through your relationship with your sponsors this team uh, this year? So kind of the the roller coaster of starting the season. Um, mm. You guys had a red hot start to the season, like it hit the ground running, and then this broke out. How that's affected NTT? Um, yeah, can you talk talk us through that? So yes, I mean we've we've come off a few you know difficult seasons as a team. You know we had such an incredible rise in the sport with 2015 Tour de France winning on Nelson Mandela's birthday, 2016 being the most winning team in the Tour, and and having a great season. I mean you know 17 still a really good year, and then 18, 19 had been difficult. So we did many things differently this year at the start. We brought our team together in a training camp and. Create, try to create that one team, that unity. And our ultimate goal this year was to look and race like a team, and uh, and then to you know to, to win as many races as we can. And we, as you say, we started off incredibly well. You know, we were a real connected, united squad. Turan under winning our first stage with Giacomo Nizzolo, where the whole team you know supported him. That was a brilliant win when it just showed you know what what your potential is when you when you come together and under one strategy. You know, focus on one individual and go all in. You know, with no, no plan B ultimately, and, and so that was brilliant. And it, that just, you know, as you know, victories connect people, and and you start to believe in your coaches, believe in yourself, and believe in what you are doing. So we, 
and then that just started a bit of a spiral effect and we won seven races you know by march which is you know we won seven races in the whole season last year so that was really really good so that our partners then believed again in what we were doing in the management and the leadership of the team and so that was really good but through this time we've been actually quite fortunate that ntt as an organization as our type of partner is also a people organization you know they care about their people they want to do the right thing i think and you know look after their people first and foremost and and so in doing that they you know they supported us completely and you know through through this time and understood our situation as well and that you know we also people that needed to you know to survive and, and every single individual's situation was different across the team you know, it doesn't matter if you're a bus driver a mechanic a swanee a carer or whatever or you know or a rider everybody needs to be understood and how this impacts them and where they are in the world you know, just our 29 riders were in 15 different countries over the, the time of the, the lockdown and you know understanding the situation you know where they were family with weren't they etc was, was quite tough but ntt understood that and, and they supported us but we did have to be we i mean we were creative we created some amazing content we you know we we just connected with them in a, in a deeper way and a more meaningful way and and i think that's what our team is really good at you know we we are bike riders first and foremost but we also you know individuals with a big heart we raced you know for a charity and, and so we understand you know how to do things a little bit differently and i think we needed to to lean on those ideas and, and concepts i think to you know just to keep them connected to us and uh, and keep everybody positive and have hope mm. uh, it sounds like a very fortuitous position to be in with ntt backing you guys what how do you feel for those teams that maybe don't have that big title sponsor behind them um we've seen the weird communications out of uh Mitchelton scott over the last month um jim Malkowitz is looking for a new title sponsor for ccc can you imagine what that's like at the moment no i mean we also had some partners that um you know outside of ntt you know they don't put the full ball of a team but you know they, we've had some partners that have been really challenged and it's understanding each situation and you know and trying to you know accommodate each other a little bit but yes absolutely i mean there's some teams that are that have really, 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 you know, have been struggling, I think, and, and having, uh, and, and there's been difficulty to stay relevant with their partners and their partners, you know, having real tough times in the market. Um, and, and I really feel for those teams because we need each other, you know, and I think the, the support mechanism that we can provide to each other by just not poaching riders on a simple thing, you know, just to, you know, while, you know, while some teams are down at the moment trying to work their way through this, crazy time and, and through their partners it's just to respect that process you know so that they can at least still exist have their have their you know the good individuals that are in each team and try and you know pull through and, and, and um, you know and hopefully the season will you know that I guess the, the time when people are starting to, to to talk about new riders and things like that will hopefully move out later into the year than it usually is and um, you know because it often happens already early even well before the Tour de France now. And, and I think that's, you know, there's some teams talking about renewing riders, which is fine, but I mean, at least there's no major movements going on other than some of the stories around Chris Froome. But I think, you know, that's just in respect to each team to try and help them, you know, get their ducks in a row and, uh, and get their sponsorship and their, you know, and their budget sorted for next year. But I think it is a tough time. I think there might be some teams merging, um, you know, because there's, there's probably, you know, some teams that might, Think that that's the only option to to keep going, which 
which I guess is is one of those you know ways that you that you could stay alive. And but there are many teams that are really looking for partners, and there's not many industries that rocked it through the through the pandemic and through that time. So it's going to be a tough time for all. And I think you know 2021 will be a potential year in sport where where many teams um, sports people take haircuts, and mm. and and that could be just to just to keep going until the economic cycle picks up again and, and people are predicting that um, you know some 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 organizations some industries will only pick up towards the end of next year mm. your long form i guess long-term sponsorship now with ntt and its former businesses can you talk to me about how, how that relationship's evolved and also how the output of the team has helped that business so we've um, you know ntt was an organization that acquired Dimension Data a couple of years ago, almost 10 years ago now, and, uh, and then merged them all into one, one business. Um, all of the businesses that NTT had acquired they came together um, pretty much last year, around actually July timeframe. So it was almost a one-year anniversary now um, you know, coming up uh, when they merged 31 companies together under the NTT Limited brand. And so we had an existing agreement with Dimension Data still for this year, which they then just rebranded NTT because it was relevant around the world to, to carry the NTT brand. And so, you know, we are busy going through a process now of renewing our partnership with NTT for the future. And, and it's looking really positive. So we, um, you know, happy about that. But um, yeah, it's a, you know, I think with our team and its purpose, Having a third dimension like the Quebecer charity is something that is unique for us and something that we care about passionately. It wasn't something that we did for our marketing purposes. It was this team was created on a dream and it was all about wanting to mobilize the African continent, show the potential of Africa, and to give people hope and use the bicycle, you know, as a tool to, you know, to you know, to give people independence and and give them an opportunity to succeed in life. It, and ultimately, a dream. It would be an absolute dream if it, if someone who starts on a Quebec bike ends up in the water. You know, that's the cradle to the Holy Grail story, and uh, and that's pretty special with our team. And you know, many organisations are focusing on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and around how we can make this world a better place by 2030 and beyond. And I think our team, you know, embraced and um, the you know, the charity and embraced mobility and embraced the fact that we wanted to use our success as a sports team to do good and use sport to do good. And, and I think that's resonated deeply with our partners, you know, through this time and of course in the past as well. And, and absolutely, you know, you know, through this pandemic about how many people are going to care about a better world and the younger generation, particularly, I mean, my kids who are teenagers, you know, they want to buy products and want to engage with organizations that have a story and a purpose that is that is going to support the world that, that they ultimately want to live in and grow up in and have kids in. So, so maybe you, know, you were ahead of the game and I think it's 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 something that is deep and, and passionate and to our team and to our partners that are involved with us and gives us that other dimension. Mm, do you think that um, that extra value, does that give you confidence, I guess, when you compare your squad to say a CCC or a Mitchell and Scott or a team Ineos. Yes, there are great cycling teams, but they're just, you just get a logo on their jersey. Does, when you're selling that sponsorship or when you're reporting on that sponsorship or developing that, is, is that key for businesses in, in your sell? Yeah, it is today and it is a big part of our sell. It's a big part of our, 
you know, our team and our DNA. Of course, they're teams like Ineos and Mitchelton Scott and, and CCC. I mean, they are great teams and they, it depends on what they're, you know, what they're selling mantra is to they, you know, and what the, what the, what is the reason why people got involved? If it's all about winning, which is great. I mean, Ineos is a high performance racing team that wants to win and they, and, and partners want to be associated with them because they're, they're almost guaranteed, you know, with their, with their budgets, I guess that, you know, they've, they've got a really good chance of winning. And I think that's, that's also great. You know, often organizations want that. And, and of course, we all want to win. I mean, we want to win races. We know when we win races, we raise more money for the charity too, because it gives you that platform to tell your story and for people to understand you. And, and so that's great. You know, we, so there's no team in cycling that, that just wants to tell stories and not want to win races because, you know, we absolutely all want to win. But, you know, some organizations and will have in their, in their, chest of drawers of, of what they sell as, as, as a team, you know, they'll, they'll sell it differently. And, and of course the, the Quebec charity is something that we are very, is, which is very much front and center in, in the way we go to market and the, and the people that we talk to. And we really, you know, engage with people in a deeper way because most organizations today want to partner with and be associated with organizations that have a purpose. And, and that also just maybe opens up the industry book a little bit more for us and gives us um, another opportunity to connect with them um, in, a, in, a, in a social responsible, in a corporate responsible way. Yeah. And it's something too, is it, does it add value in the sense that there is something that's core? Cool, there's something that's consistent that the Quebec tie and the Quebec orange origin origins. It's like this cycling team or cycling sponsorship has this weird model where it changes its name every time it gets a new sponsor. And it's like all that value yeah. and equity just goes out the window. It's something that is that, that lives with us and it is consistent. You are right. I mean, it gives us that like something else to talk about when the results aren't there. Absolutely. But every single year, the media, you know, some part of the media, they come to us and they say, geez, you're still doing this Quebec charity thing. You, you know, why, why are you still doing it? And I said, well, it's, it's like, this is from where we come. You know, this is what we, what we really deeply care about. It just shows the world's funny. You know, it's something you would fall in love with something because it was, it was sentimental and, and relevant at that time and then you'll move on to something else whereas you know we want to mobilize the african continent there's over a billion people in it so we've got a big job to do and we want to use our team to leave a legacy and not you know flip-flop around and but i think that's how we became laureus ambassadors as well you know the laureus sport for good foundation started by um well, the initial patron was nelson mandela 20 odd years ago and so you know i think you know we've been recognized by organizations like that because you know, we, we are consistent. We tell a consistent story. We have, um, you know, it's, it's so authentic um, and, uh, and, and it's something that we really deeply care about. And, and that's, yeah, it's one of our USPs. Does it play a role in, in selection of riders? So you've got this team, you've got this overarching mission, you've got this fantastic background. Um, does that heritage and that core, does it need to, how, how do you make that fit with riders when you're also juggling the fact that you need to perform? Yeah. No, I mean, we've attracted because of it. So it's quite funny. I mean, we don't go to riders and say, oh, we have this, by the way. And, you know, they, just the culture and the energy around our team and its uniqueness has attracted many riders to it. And, and they've been incredibly loyal to us as well. So we, 
people that really care. I mean, most riders that have kids understand what we do and why we do it. And, um, and they have sometimes have a bigger heart and, and, and a bigger understanding sometimes, but absolutely. I mean, if you don't, if you don't live and breathe, you know, charity or the, you know, what we trying to do, then this is not the team for you. So this is not the team for everybody, but it is the team for those that, um, you know, that embrace it and, uh, and feel that this is, you know, something that, that, that they want to be a part of and, and, wanna, and that they care about. And if you just look on, just on social media and, you know, we don't force our riders to, to do anything. They're all individuals and they're all their own people, but, you know, they really do repurpose the stuff that we put out and, uh, and that Quebec uh, puts out that, uh, you know, and they've experienced it. When they, when they come to South Africa and they go to a Quebec bike handover and they see the smile on these kids' faces, when, when they receive something that they've earned, you know, because it's not a handout, it's a hand up. You know, these kids have to earn the bicycles. They have to go to school every single day and prove their grades um, or do community service or plant trees to earn the bicycles um, or clean up trash. You know, so there's, it's when these kids, you know, earn these bicycles, then, and the happiness that they have, because most of them haven't earned anything in their lives at that age. And, and it's a special moment. And, you know, if you weren't a, convert to what we do and then you and and you go to one of those handovers and in, in a community you know, we definitely will be post that but you know you should ask the riders that <laughs> yeah yeah and so how do you see your team fit in the biggest cycling world can you see it continue to grow like what where are your areas of focus what what's 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 the growth model look like no, I mean, we definitely need it in the cycling world, as, as is Mitchelton Scott, as is the CCC and any of us. I mean, we the only African-registered World Tour cycling team. Africa is a big continent. We are Africa's hope on a bicycle. We wanted to show that Africa has the potential to be in, in the world of cycling. And, you, and yes, you know, we, we have reduced our African, you know, uh, I guess, rider base in our team because of the pressures of sustaining ourselves in the World Tour. But we still have a continental team. And that we that we have in, in Italy that has many Africans in it, and we are still trying to find and uh, and train and bring in you know that next big African talent. And now the nice thing is now is that there are many Africans on African riders on other teams, and that was also you know we didn't want to be we can't sustain you know Africa as a whole. We want and when we started this team many years ago, I mean my dream was that every single world to a cycling team would have a rider with an interesting colored flag next to their name that people would never have seen before you know? and because they are that good not because they you know it's, it's good for the team but it's or good for a partner but it's actually they they they, they are merits absolutely and, and you've got the scarborough grimaise you've got the you know mahawi kudus you've got the natna bahanis you know those guys all those riders came through our program and and moved on to other teams and, and they're all in the world too which is which is pretty brilliant and we're really happy about that but we're obviously hoping to attract the best talent into our team and, uh, and potentially stay on the podium with an african rider in the future so that is that is one of the one of the big goals of the team and the big dreams of the team mm. back to the sponsorship um yeah. revenue model that cycling has how do you how do you see that evolving say like using the example assume ntt are on for the next five years with you guys how do you see that evolving and what kind of things are you putting in place to continue to give that return that value well that's um you know it's, it's staying current and it's staying relevant and, and being consistent and you know people want to invest in sport because it talks to their value system in the organization you know how do you bring on your people 
internally and, and create a common culture with inside an organization and then of course how does that resonate into your partner base and, and how does that create experiences you know there are many partners that are b2b partners and then there's many sponsors that are that are b2c so it's just creating that uniqueness and understanding the needs of your partners because it's you know i think sport has gone way beyond where you're a billboard if it doesn't create some form of return on business today or return on community or return on purpose you know those kind of value systems that are really strong in an organization then you will you know you will end up with a with a small funnel you know at the end of your at the end of your life i guess because you won't be able to you won't be able to um, you know to to fill it unless you've got a really super rich backer you know who loves and, and is passionate about the sport and there are many i mean there's so many that love absolutely love cycling and you know that will invest in it for ages but that'll also drive eventually so you've got to you've got to stay relevant have to be authentic and um, have to understand the needs of the of your of your type of partners try and connect an ecosystem that they can do business together you know one of the things that we have i think been really successful in is being better together with our partners we did a partner challenge just this last weekend where we brought all of our partners together to run the distance of the Tour de France in groups where they were with different partners from different industries, but sponsors of ours came together and the banter and the, the stuff that happened over this weekend about how they got to know each other from different countries, different organizations coming together with a pro rider as a captain and some of our staff was, I mean, I was laughing the whole weekend. You know, people really went above and beyond. They got out with their families and just to try and do that and, and you know we'll see which team and which team captain you know did the most but you know it was to get 50 odd people together to do three and a half thousand kilometers over this weekend you know by walking swimming riding running and it was all just worked out and it was kind of a fun thing that we did because we started it and we did it internally first we wanted to burn five thousand calories during the during the pandemic when everybody was in lockdown in various forms and people sent through such funny videos and just it just created hope and and gave people just a sense of you know living that day and leadership that day i think which was quite cool so it's about being you know yeah you know, i don't know being on the edge and being um, consistent and uh, and coming up with some crazy you know some cool ideas to bring people together the sport as a whole uh, you mentioned this kind of this it's a revenue model but then there's also there's kind of two models within that model the the rich backer that throws his cash at a team versus the big corporate that comes on board do you think that's sustainable longer term having those two types of teams in a sense it happens in all sport you know and it, and it sometimes it changes you know but it's if a team is successful, has a good message, is consistent, you know, those are for me, those are the things that are critical, then it will be sustainable and it should, you know, good things happen to good people and, and teams, you know, should survive in that way. And I think there's, you know, every sport is open to every model. I mean, what cycling needs ultimately is a consistent revenue stream that, you know, that you can rely on. And we don't have that um, today and no team has that. You know, the first division has a bit more because, or the world tour has a bit more because you get a, you get parents money that you can, that you can kind of bank on and start money, but it's not enough to, you know, to be really significant. I mean, it's, it absolutely helps without question, but then the second division has less and the third division, you know, has even less. So then you start to think about those guys. I mean, and I think for me, the biggest thing was how much of the second division will survive 
the pro Conti teams this year into next year. And for me, that they are such a critical part of the, of the world of cycling. And we grow, grew out of that space. You know, we went from the third division, you know, continental teams to pro Conti and then ultimately to the world tour step by step. And so we know every phase and, and the challenges that you have in every phase and how you how you know you survive on little things you know just to to keep a team going and to pay for your fuel your flights your accommodation and your food i mean it's just crazy stuff but you know for me that's the biggest worry because the world tour teams that have you know entry into the tour de france should be okay because people will want to brand that and, and they get the exposure from that that's the other teams that are you know that are that are going to that are really going to fight to stay alive and will need a lot of passionate investors and um and you know, good storytelling, and to to be able to you know sustain you know sustain themselves going forward. But it's a it is it is ultimately pretty tough. But it's you have to stay relevant, and you have to you know understand what your partners want. Is is that the ceiling on your role? Is the as far as you can go in your role until you get that extra revenue stream or the consistency of a revenue stream that's not sponsor driven? Yeah, I mean, my ultimate function, I guess, is to ensure the sustainability of the team and to create an environment that produces high performance, you know, results and and bring people together that you know can enable this team to be better and to go, you know, to go further. I think, and so that's ultimately what um, you know what my function is, and then then you know becoming or understanding and and being that you know, connection between the race organizers, the governing body of the sport. Um, so that's ultimately what, um, you know, what I need to do. But just creating content and thinking out of the box all the time to, to be relevant all the time to your partners, understanding them is a, is a big job today. You know, it's because it, it isn't just about branding. It is about, you know, understanding their business. I do many um, conferences and, and boardroom, you know, engagements with NTT, with Alcatel Lucent Enterprise, our two major partners, you know, in terms of how they can see value out of the cycling team and connect with their with their customers and partners in a in a way that um, you know that, that they're all passionate about because people do buy from people that they understand, care about, um, and and I think it'll be even more so going forward. So it's it's the fun part of the job actually. I really enjoy being in the boardroom talking about cycling and dreams and teamwork and technology and how we use it, etc. It's a it's for me, that's that's kind of cool, and I don't think that actually many world tour cycling teams or, or sports teams actually do get in the boardroom of their sponsors and and tell the story enough. Um, and I think that's what we've what we've managed to to do. Mm. The obvious revenue stream for the sport is TV rights. Um, they got one of the biggest sporting events in the world, which gets sucked up by the private company, the ASO. Are they a limiting factor on the sports progression? So they're an incredibly important part of the sport. Um, as you can imagine, they have many events that we participate in that are critical. I mean, they now have the Vuelta España and the Tour de France. But yes, I think they, you know, they would be, but, you know, having said that, you know, just the media events, the media returns and the media um, money, I guess, on one event, would be would be difficult to sustain and put you know significant money like potentially in football you know into 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 the teams from one event let's say like a Tour de France, but if you took a whole series of events together and the whole world to calendar 
and that was you know and the media rights for that was sold to you know to to major broadcasters then i think then there's an opportunity for that to happen but that still doesn't happen and hasn't happened today because for various reasons i guess but that would be the time when there was when i think then it, there would be an opportunity for media rights and you know to come back into the teams and then we can you know open up more data and, and come together with a, you know, let's show the power of the riders and the heart rates um, of the riders, you know, that'll enrich the viewing experience of these events and drive people, you know, on mobile, on TV, pay TV, whatever, you know, to go and see that. And maybe that would be a bit of an extra cost and that money could go to the teams because it's the, it's ultimately it's the data of the teams and the riders, you know, who, who, are, who which they're going to be offering out onto, onto, the, onto the screen. So, you know, well, until that happens, but it needs to have a, I would guess, you know, all the, a lot of races to come together, the whole of the world to, and, and then agree on, on with who, how, and then what can we do in return to the teams and ultimately to the governing body of the sport. So, and actually, I don't think that that's, 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 you know, very far away because through this time, the meetings that people have had just in trying to arrange the, the, the race calendar. And of course, some people are a bit angry. Some event organizers are a bit angry that the Tour de France took priority. But you know, it, uh, you know, in terms of its dates, and everybody had to move around that. But I mean, that's just life. You know, that's the way things go. And and uh, and I think that's that it's been worked out well. I mean, we're going to race 151 race days in 106 physical days. I mean, the yeah. logistics are going. We're just planning the logistics now, just the safety of the individuals and and how they, you know, what flights are going to be available. You know, we. Luckily, with Mercedes-Benz, we've got a few more vehicles that they've provided with us at this time because we can have to drive people everywhere. It's like old-school cycling. You know, the riders actually drove to races and didn't fly. You know? So it's going to be logistically interesting, and um, but everyone's committed. It's going to be fun. Will there be positive outcomes next year? Do you think we'll see that soon, or is this longer term that you think there'll be? No, I mean, I'm hoping every day that that when we get through this, that it's that it's positive. You know, and and, and um, and the world embraces and adapts very quickly and people adapt very quickly today and and people want to see sport and so the fans will embrace it you know absolutely it will be economically tough for some industries and there's no question and many of those industries are in cycling and and i think so yeah but i do believe that all sport will be slightly challenged especially sports that are short-term in their contracts with with their sports people. You know, it's not like football where there's longer term contracts where people can make sacrifices for a, for a period of time and then, but they still, they still have a job ultimately. Whereas in, you know, some sports where those kind of contracts and sponsor contracts and type of partners are shorter term, you've got to turn it around really, really quickly and show impact and show value. And, uh, but I do believe that the rate, that the back end of the season is going to be incredible. The riders are so badly wanting to pin numbers on their jerseys. And, and get out there um, and and i think just the, the peloton is going to be a beautiful place of where people are going to and riders are just going to be, be so happy to be out and, and racing again that it's going to be incredibly aggressive racing i think we're going to see some of the best racing of the last five years is going to happen actually in the next four months and and i think that'll drive the interest that'll drive the passion that'll drive um you know sustainability in the sport too but uh but it'll be with the transfer seasons, you know, people moving from potential team to team, possibly. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be packed and it's gonna be mad. Um, but we just can't wait to get back on the open road. 
are you scared? Like it's don't to, don't hate to be the negative person here, but are you worried that we get a COVID reading week one? Are you worried that about your riders, you're there under your care? Yeah, I'm very worried. Very worried. I mean, if we, you know, you just saw in tennis with Novak Djokovic. So, you know, that was very sad actually, because that just showed that, you know, the, the world is not like it was. Um, and you've, you've just got to be careful and you, you, you just have to, you know, put things in place and embrace where we are today. And, and, you know, just general hygiene and those kind of things that everybody talks about and starts to look and think, you know, really, but, but absolutely, it's, it's not a joke. It's, you, you need to do that, you know, teams and, and like us, we don't go to a football stadium and you, you look after the stadium and then, you know, you should be okay. You know, if you think every single day you're in different hotels, you've got all your staff buying stuff in supermarkets and shops, you know, to keep the team on the road and, and you're moving around, filling up at gas stations, you know, across any small town, big town, as you go through Europe and, and on races. So that just that basic, you know, hygiene, you know, needs to be implemented right from the get go with everybody and then the riders, etc. and how, how it blows up. It's, it's um, if something does happen in one of the early races, depends on which country and and depends on how team isolates it at that time, but it's not total catastrophe, but it definitely won't help. And let's hope that, uh, that we don't have any, you know, incidents like that and everybody, you know, so uh, you know, the sport can go on and we can get to the tour and to the Giro d'Italia and Vuelta world championships and, and, you know, still have a great end of year with, you know, proper good champions, which, which absolutely there will be. And, the classics are going to be amazing because of the overlap. You're going to have different individuals in the classics that would often and potentially normally not be there. So the racing is going to be much more interesting just because it's not going to be like, oh, I do this program. Everybody's program has been turned on its head. And, and in there lies an opportunity, an opportunity for us as a team. And uh, because we prepared all our riders really well, but it's, uh, it's going to be fun to see some new champions. And maybe some old ones too. Mm. You touched on before one of the key factors for the sport's long-term progression is uh, bringing together the different bodies that own the different races for media rights. What what else do you think is important for the sport to continue as a whole? Yeah, I mean, connecting with a fan base and a global fan base, driving loyalty, and um, you know that's up to the teams, I guess, but. And merchandising is a big thing, you know, I think that's something that cycling hasn't done well that most sports do really well in. I mean, our, our, our products that we wear are expensive. It's not like you, you can buy, a, you know, a shirt or whatever, but I think those are the kind of things that, that, that are really interesting and, and, and we can, you know, look to, to try and, you know, connect with a deeper way and a deeper audience. E-racing and Zwift is, um, you know, is, is a big deal, you know, because now through this pandemic, teams have been able to connect with an audience in a third dimensional way, actually, because, you know, the audience can actually ask some questions and as with platform, you can actually, you know, so you, you turn a two dimensional screen into a three dimensional environment where you can actually get feedback and you can ask questions. So I think that's critical. And, uh, and as a team like ours, I mean, we are technology sponsored, but we've had the Zwift academies. We understand the power of that platform where you can engage with people from their cultures around the world and bring them into a team like ours if they show potential and, 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 have, and, and potentially didn't have the opportunity to get into a team. So we've always embraced the, the platform 
Um, but I think now going forward, those teams that continue to embrace the platform, even though we are able to get outdoors, are the teams that are going to benefit from it and give and offer their partners something uniquely different and, and extend that partnership into something that is that can connect with their workforce around the world if they're a global company, et cetera. So, so that's... So that's actually been, there's been a birth of that, I think, or, you know, or a you know, massive interest in that now and, and, you know, through this time, and I think that would be critical for the success of teams going forward to do things like that. But, um, you know, long-term sustainability in our sport is tough um, because your the wheelchair licenses are on three-year cycles. So, you you know, you're only as relevant as, as your guarantees into the biggest races in the world. And, uh, and until, you know, a lot of those are more longer term or, you know, there's a there's a there's a an event series, not a world series necessarily, but a, a potential world tour series that, that drives huge revenue into teams. It'll be tough to sustain. You know, but potentially you could have less ultimate funding coming in, but you could still sustain a team through the money that you're getting for being in the, in the first division or in the world series or world tour of cycling. Mm. You know, then it will always be tough to sustain riders and um, and sustain partners and to sustain fans. Um, for for your for your team, you know, like we'd love to be called Team Quebec. You know, we race to mobilize people on the African continent. It's, the sport is just not there yet, and uh, and have many partners that are that are listed as 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 funders in that to to get their brand awareness. But the team ultimately is around you know a cause a purpose that is that is pretty different, and that's not in any sport. Um, any sporting code does that. Um, but that would be that would be amazing if it if it could come to that. Who whose responsibility is that? Who where does that sit, and what what needs to take place for something like that to occur? It's um it's actually really simple, and in its simplicity is the most unbelievable complex environment. Um, it's about getting people together, um, and and just you know talking about it and, and trying to pull massive organizations together um but in the end it's people you know bringing people together and having a conversation that benefits everybody um and uh, but it, it, a lot of that has happened through this time and that was amazing to see i mean the amount of collaboration and where people put their egos and their you know and their personal or you know what has happened in the past aside to just to get the calendar together and to connect with each other um, for the benefit of the sport. That was beautiful to see now. And, 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 and we need that for, you know, for, for the sports and the commercial side of the sport to, to move forwards as well. That, 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 uh, it needs to continue and hopefully it will. Have you seen a leader in this time? Someone that you're like, oh, this guy, this guy could take us on that journey. This guy could drive change. We've seen, oh yeah, there's been quite a few actually. Um, I won't mention any names, but there's there's many that have massive, massive, um, you know, passion, insights, and and can take it forward. But you know, in the end, the UCI, as the governing body of the sport, needs to needs to needs to lead, and that's why, you know, they they, they are in place, the governing bodies of all sport, and they ultimately are the ones that are accountable for this and need to be involved. Otherwise, you kind of end up in a in a fight eventually down the line again, potentially, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's believing in the right process of doing things, bringing and creating that unity that, that fans can believe in and that partners and sponsors can believe in and that teams 
get return from and that the sport can grow significantly. So, but we, I think we, we, we are, we're going in the right direction. It, it might take another world to a world to cycle um, before it ultimately happens, but, you know, I think it's, it's going in the right way. Let's hope. Mm. So is the key to have those people at the UCI level? Yes, absolutely. And it takes time. It's like um, it takes time to change. You might have the right people there now, but it'll, it, you know, it can it can take time because of legacy and, and the way of the past and and just moving a big ship. Um, and and it does take time. So um, that doesn't mean that because it hasn't happened, the right people aren't there. It's it, you know, it potentially could be the right people there. It just uh, it could it just needs a bit more. Just needs a bit more time and. But a, but a lot of good happened now, really, really good happened now. I mean, the, the way people were just communicating and talking to each other um, it came from a different place, and that was amazing. So, you know, let's hope that place from where it comes and, you know, with is, is you know, continues to, to want to move the sport forward. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast, Doug. We hope uh, that the cycling season goes smoothly and we see you out in Australia uh, in January. I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you. It was good fun to chat to you. Thanks.